This episode of No Quarter is brought to you by the Underground Retrocade. You love these games, and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear Jane's Addiction on the stereo. So, if you're looking for a recommendation of where you can play all those classic games in an authentic arcade atmosphere... Jane says, head over to the Underground Retrocade, 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois. I'm Mike McGinnis. And I'm Carrington Vanston. And this is No Quarter, a podcast about games that have video that we play at a place called Arcade. That is one of the slickest slogans. I don't understand why <laughs> that, our marketing isn't more successful. That came out so well. Very we're just going to leave that. <laughs> yeah, 99 episodes in and you finally have nailed the perfect slogan. Well done, Mr. <laughs> McGinnis. Thank you, sir. So how are you? I'm uh, I'm doing very well, as you can hear. Um, I'm doing right. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing right. I'm out there doing good. Mm, yes, I'm I'm doing all right. And you? I am wait for it. <laughs> fantastic. I am actually fantastic. I spent the last four days, um, including today, at Fan Expo here in Toronto, and it was amazing. Yeah, I, I remember you were I don't know if we were, were recording at the time, but you were talking about the, the awesome cosplay you had planned. How did that how did that come off? It actually worked. I'm so pleased. <laughs> so I've had my first cosplay experience. I am that level of nerd, like oh achievement boy. unlocked, <laughs> single for life. Um, totally super, super fun. There's this game called um, the Kerbal Space Program, and I made myself a Kerbal costume with a big old head. Um, uh, it's this 80 centimeter ball that I used as the mold for the helmet that goes around this giant head that's part of the costume. So I was like eight feet tall in the costume, and it was amazing and super fun. I actually wore it today. I only finished it um, about 7 o'clock this morning. (laughs) (laughs) I I had a little bit left to do, got up early, finished the costume, said, ah, the paint will dry on the way. (laughs) That's what happened, and it was super fun. The The whole event was amazing. It is one of the best sort of nerd gatherings in the city. It's every year. I absolutely adore it. It's comics and sci-fi and horror and anime and just tons of things all crammed into two big buildings and, and lots of gaming tournaments and including arcade tournaments and, and lots of tabletop stuff and sessions and famous people and just you're basically nerding out for four days in Toronto and it's just a complete hoot. I loved it. Got to be a little bit of a letdown to come back here then and do this podcast with me. No, this is this is the highlight. <laughs> I'm in costume now. No, I'm not actually. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm cosplaying as you. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's frightening. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm I'm just riding the high from that. Tomorrow's a day off here in in Canada. I think it is for you guys as well. So I'm getting an extended weekend. Everything's coming up, Carrington, is what I'm saying. Nothing wrong with that, I suppose. <laughs> Nothing at all wrong with that. Anyway, that's it. And we played a great game this week. I'm loving the we game. We played, played a week. game this week. <laughs> Well, I'm going to throw the adjective great in there. I really like this week's game. And we had a bunch of people guess what this week's game is. And they all seem very enthused about it, and I can't understand why. Oh, you didn't have the same experience I had. (laughs) Uh, Oh, should we do feedback? 
Oh, sure, why not? Oh, sure, what the heck? Um, we got a bunch of people writing to about stuff. Oh, last week we talked about mugs. I think that was last week where I was saying, I think I would like to have more than just a bunch of the same mug. <laughs> Maybe get some little, little more variety going on. And Danny wrote in to give us some suggestions. He said... If you're going to get a bunch of different mugs, maybe you should get gaming-related mugs. Then he sent us not one, not two, but three, count them, three links to different uh, mugs. Oh, over on Zazzle, they have a whole bunch of different retro gamer mugs. Over on Something Geeky, same thing. And he also sent us a link to ThinkGeek.com. has a really cool uh, heat transfer mug that's a Space Invaders. And as you pour hot stuff in, it changes the the, the game image on the on the mug. There's actually one of them... I think over at Something Geeky, one of them in particular had a mug that just has uh, a classic arcade on it, sort of in silhouette, like a classic arcade cab. I really like that mug, so um, I appreciate these these links. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna actually pick up that one. So, well done, Danny. I say thank you very much. What else did we get? Uh, Jonas wrote in to say, "Hey guys." Thanks for the shows. I've been enjoying. I've been enjoying No Quarter and the Double Take shows. I don't have any cabinets, but I've been enjoying the retro talk. I do have a place I found to play Galaga on a cocktail table. It's the only place I have to get hands-on '80s gameplay at the moment, but still fun. I found this game on Tumblr, and I thought it was pretty interesting looking and maybe up your alley. Think R-Type for the control freak. <laughs> nice. 80s 2D graphics with interesting gameplay idea and he sent us a link and it's to this thing called Mighty Tactical Shooter which sounds more like a description than a name um, and it's a Kickstarter uh, uh, campaign do you call them a Kickstarter campaign I'm, you know what I'm calling them a Kickstarter campaign so there <laughs> and uh, it's it's done but it got funded so it looks like it's a game that will be coming out and there are demos available and although the name Mighty Tactical Shooter sounds like a description I would say an actual description would be it is a side-scrolling, turn-based, tactical shoot-'em-up arcade game with 1980s-style graphics. Oh, yes, it is that cool, Mr. McGinnis. So um, most shoot-'em-ups, and I am avoiding the compressed version of that phrase. That's good. You'll be fired immediately. Because <laughs> I don't really <laughs> like it. Most shoot-'em-ups are very, very frantic, and you know you race through things, you're just firing all over the place. This is a, a real twist on that and something I hadn't seen before where it is instead turn-based. So you'll fly through and then everything sort of pauses. And then you set little waypoints for where your missiles will go and you can adjust gravity, you can adjust their paths, and then you sort of fire them off and then you go to the next step. So it's it's literally a turn-based shoot-em-up. Never seen anything like it. It's really, really cool. Uh, anyway, Jonas ends his letter by saying, I didn't find a regular site link, but the Kickstarter is above, and it looks like it's already funded. There are also demos available for Windows, Mac, and Linux. I'm a Linux guy, so that's pretty cool to see for a new release. Jonas, thank you very much for the links, Jonas. I appreciated that. I downloaded the demo, and I played it, and I really dig it. So I'm sorry that I missed the Kickstarter, because it's a game I think I'm going to want to get my hands on. Did you get a chance to play it, Mike? No, I did not. Well, shame on you. Uh, Rob McMullen writes in to tell us, apparently we've been playing a lot of uh, fighting games recently. Mm-hmm. I, I always like it when people let us know what we've been playing because honestly, I don't really remember much before yesterday. So <laughs> uh, he says, uh, enjoying the podcast as usual. Not that I don't like fighting games, but uh, as a fair number of your recent games have been beat em ups. Um, yeah, I don't like fighting games. Uh, so a suggestion. Last year you had the Vector, no Vector month of Vector games. So did we? I don't know. We did. Uh, 
So a theme isn't unprecedented. How about a classic quarter for the No Quarter podcast where you limit the focus to games in the Golden Age? Perhaps you could split up the quarter, maybe a month of 70s games, a month like 80 to 83, and then a month for 84 to 86, or just mix and match if you're not into that whole somewhat chronological review of games thing. Isn't that what we do now? Most of the games we do are from the Golden Age, aren't they? Well, lately I think we've been sort of we've been sort of pushing more into the future. That's your fault, though. You picked it. It is. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm here to make you and everybody else miserable. <laughs> That's the next game's going to be from 2009. <laughs> <laughs> and we're doing. We're now announcing uh, Fighttober. <laughs> All fighting games for the month of October. Just because if you write in with any sort of suggestion, we turn on you. It's that kind of podcast. And then in December, we're just going to, to review Golden T 3D 18 over and over again. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> Awful. Oh my goodness, not my sort of game at all. Uh, Barbara wrote in to say, Did you catch the latest John's Arcade on the Road show? Well, you should, you silly billies. He's got a video of a visit to someone named Cool Mo Craig. And <laughs> that's hilarious. And uh, he shows the very first Qbert arcade cabinet, its prototype numero uno from before they even had the name of the game on the cabinet. Check it out. Love the show. Babs. Nice email, Babs. I love the way she writes. And so she gave us a link over to a YouTube video, which I've watched but not listened to because when I was watching it, I couldn't play audio. So I've scrolled through. And so I've seen the cabinet, um, but I haven't actually heard any descriptions. So I didn't know about this cool Mo Craig, which is pretty funny. And in the video, it actually shows a bunch of arcade games, I guess, that this fellow has. Um and some of them I hadn't, didn't even recognize. So I'm, I'm interested to watch it again uh, so I can actually hear what's going on. And we have a link in show notes so everybody else can watch it too. Uh, what else do we have here? Okay, a couple more. Rich wrote in to say, I saw this on linuxvoice.com and thought of you guys. It's a guide to how to build your own arcade machine based on a Raspberry Pi. I know there are a few similar guides out there, but this one is nice and simple and includes all the basic steps that seem to be left out of a lot of guides. I'm very new to the Pi, and this guy had, guide had me up and running arcade games with the first try. Now I finally have my own MAME system, so I can play along with the games you review without having to spend thousands of dollars for a system based on a full, dedicated PC. I thought your listeners might be interested in this too, if they want something cheap and easy. So here's a link for your show notes, and I will put that link in the show notes. So there you go, Rich. Teamwork, that's what I say. Uh, and I checked it out, and it's really cool. So, I mean, like he's like he says, there's a lot of guides out there on how to do, um, if you want to make uh, a MAME system based on a Raspberry Pi, and there's like Pi MAME and, and pre-installed things. But this kind of walks you through if you're going to do it a little more manually, like what to download, what goes where, how to how to load up with games. So it's a nice, simple, straightforward guide. So I am very happy to throw it into the show notes, and I shall do so. Uh, okay, and then here, one one more one. Wade wrote in to say... Last week's game is Bank Panic. Well chosen, or well spotted, Wade. Uh, he says, Looking forward to the podcast, Bank Panic was a game I didn't play too much in the arcades of old, but I have really grown to love it on my main cabinet. Fast switch, quick decision game with some solid humor. Great game. Well spotted, Wade, and Wade is correct. He is, but before we move on, we have one more email. Oh, um, that's exciting. More email. Is it? it is. Did it just come in? No, no, but it totally ru- it totally ruined your segue into the game, and so I'm proud. My of that. segues are 
cannot be ruined. It's so good. <laughs> People will just fast forward through this next part. Oh, they probably will. That's true. But if they do, they'll miss something pretty cool. And, and Ooh, I like it's cool not cool because it's from me, but because it's from one of our listeners. Ooh, um, what is it? Chuck, Chuck Burned writes in and he said, uh, hello, no, no Quarter Podcast. Hello, Chuck. Uh, it's been a while since writing, but then again, I'm a binge podcaster. My work is seasonal, so I stockpile podcasts and then listen to them for weeks. That's a lot of listening, Chuck. I wanted to let you know about a recent addition to my friend's restaurant, South Moon Barbecue in Hinkley, Illinois. Uh, he's got a link to their Facebook page, and we'll, we'll include that in the show notes. Uh, in collaboration with Star World's Arcade, they just added an arcade room that they call the Mullet Room. And uh, <laughs> he says they have classic arcade games such as Space Invaders, Moon Patrol, Nintendo versus Unisystem, Centipede, Arkanoid, Missile Command, Smash TV, Robotron, uh, Joust Cocktail, Ms. Pac-Man, uh, Firepower 2, uh, Star Wars Pinballs, and many, many others. If anyone in the No Quarter fandom is ever in the area of Hinkley, I would highly recommend going out of your way to get some outstanding barbecue. And he's included many, many pictures uh, of the South Moon Barbecue Mullet Room. And I guess I will figure out a way to move those into the... He sent this as a, a message, so I will have to figure out how to move those to the main queue where everyone well, else can see anybody them, ever wants to send us photos they have to develop an entire website and post them on there just so we can link to them with ease that's right otherwise <laughs> we won't talk about it that's right <laughs> so yeah cool very nice I love it when new arcades open hooray for new arcades hooray for games hooray for this game this week's Even game is awesome week. oh no. it's fantastic this week's game is Bank Panic and I had just a big old fun time playing it well, then you can tell everyone about it, Carrington. Well, it's from 1984, and it's by Sega, although I think it was developed by some company or some person named Sanritsu. All I know about them slash him slash her is I think that's the the company, I guess it's the company, behind OutRun, and then a bunch of arcade games I've never heard of, and a bunch of Sega Master System games I've never played. <laughs> so that's basically <laughs> the extent. I looked at a list, I'm like, well, that's a lot of games. I don't know any of those games. Outrun is the only one I've heard of before. And I think it was distributed, uh, Bank Panic, that is. I think it was distributed in North America by Bally Midway. And it's fantastic. It's super fun. So you play a sheriff protecting a bank. And basically, the bank must be a big circle. Because at any given time, the screen shows uh, three doors out of 12 doors. This is a bank that just has doors. There is no wall, only doors. And you can scroll left or right to show um, a set of these doors. And if you get to door 12 and you keep scrolling, it just goes back to one, two, three, etc. So basically, it's a big round bank. And it's a bank that's getting robbed almost continuously. So it makes sense that they would hire a sheriff to protect things. Uh, doors open and close during the game. And when they open, you have to be ready to move. Because basically... One of three things will be revealed if there's something behind the door. There could be a customer, and if it's a customer, they'll make a deposit. It could be a bank robber, uh, and then you have to shoot that person <laughs> because this is a game of doom and death for all the robbers. And uh, the alternative is it could be a kid or a little short guy with a stack of hats. And it took me a long time to realize you can shoot the hats. <laughs> the hats. Get, I kept thinking, better not shoot it. Doesn't look like a bank robber. Turns out you shoot the hats, get a bunch of money. So that was uh, the first thing I learned about this game was you should shoot more things than you think you should shoot. The, the idea of the game is you need to have a deposit placed by a customer at each of the 12 doors. 
while you're playing, the main part of the screen is taken up of the three doors you can see at any given time, and you scroll back and forth to reveal different doors. And at the top of the screen is essentially a map. It just shows the, the 12 little doors and these lines in above them, which show the approach of people. So it's a bunch of little dashes, one of which will be red, and the red dash is somebody getting closer to the door. Could be a customer, could be a robber, could be this, the hat stack person. Who knows what's there? But at least it tells you who's coming to a door next. And the idea is to get a deposit at each of the 12 doors. And once that happens, you move on to the next level. There are other ways to move on too, but that's that's the basic idea. So as the doors open, if there is a customer there, whether or not you're looking at the door, then they can place a deposit. And that's awesome. If it's a bank robber, then you're supposed to shoot the bank robber. And there's two different ways you can shoot a bank robber. The panicky Carrington way, which is just immediately to shoot, oh gosh, shoot. And then there's the be calm and try to be fair about it way. Because, um, and it's literally fair. When you shoot a bank robber, it can be a fair or an unfair shooting. If it's a fair shooting, it means you wait for the bank robber to draw his gun. Um, at least he's got to go for his gun. Then it's basically a timed thing. And the faster you shoot the bank robber um, with a fair shot like that, that goes into sort of a pool and your average of how quick your fair shots give you bonus points. And that sort of gives you a hint about how that this game is a lot more complicated and a lot more nuanced. It's really a deeper game than you might think at first. Because at first it just looks like doors open up. If it's a bad guy, you shoot them. But there's a whole bunch of things going on about the levels of deposits, about these, these little kid with the hats that you can shoot. Sometimes when a door opens, the customer will be shoved aside and suddenly this bank robber or suddenly this bank or the bank robber that will move back and forth. Or maybe the customer will be tied with rope and you can shoot once and it'll clear the rope. Uh, if a bank robber gets to a door and you're not looking at it, let's say you're looking at doors one, two, and three, but the bank robber gets to door six, the door will open and the bank robber kind of spends some time waiting for you. If you don't get to the bank robber in time and there's been a deposit at that window, then the bank robber steals the deposit. If you open that door back up, there will be the bank robber with the deposit and you can blow them away and get your deposit back. These are sort of weird robbers. They're very desperate to steal from the bank, but they don't want to go anywhere with the money. They just kind of hang around waiting to get shot. It's a very strange town with a very strange bank. If um, there isn't a deposit there, then instead the bank robber may attach a bomb to the door and then it starts its own little countdown and you have to eventually get to that door and shoot the bomb to defuse it. There's an overall timer counting down to control how long you have on the, the level. Um, if you do uh, a certain boss, bad guys appear, which will be a red-shirted robber. And if you shoot the red-shirted robber at the exact time he draws his gun, so your average time for the fair shot is zero, then you actually get a letter on the extra board, and you're trying to spell out the word extra. And if you get that, then you get this 20,000-point bonus, and you jump to the next level. Um, some robbers are the red-shirted robber that has two guns. You shoot him, you just knock the gun out of his hand, he goes for a second gun. Um, there's just sometimes when you when uh, if a customer comes and you don't shoot him, which is the goal... When he does the deposit and turns around and is walking away, he might have a sign on his back, and that'll be a wanted sign with a number, and that number tells you where the next robber will be appearing. So if it's a wanted sign that shows a six, you know behind door number six is a red-shirted bad guy. Like, there's all these little details, none of which I knew when I first started playing this game, and it took a long time to learn the little details of what happens when a teller, tellers are at certain windows, and if you get bonuses... 
if you can get a deposit at a window where there's a teller and they'll hold up these little signs and like just all these little details. It's a much more deep and nuanced game. I like the sound. I like the gameplay. I like the mechanics. Mike's about to tell you why it's not a good game. Fast forward through that part because he's wrong. This game is awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed playing this this week. All right. <laughs> That's what you got. <laughs> I'm trying to decide how to how to word this. Um, this game is the opposite of eye candy. It's eye crap. It's um, This is about the ugliest game I've ever seen. It's brown and green and the doors pop open and, and there's... Um, you know, he's wearing, I'm just looking at a screen capture here. One of them's wearing this hideous green shirt with a black vest, blue pants. Uh, and, but that's kind of hard to focus on because there's, you know, they're green up, green and yellow and orange. And the game uses 32 colors and it uses them all on the screen at the same time. Um, colors of brown. Through the, through the entire game. Um, so I, I played this game once this week. And that's it. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't take it. Just didn't um, hook you, huh? Well, and I, I remember playing it in the arcade, and I don't know if the if the cabinet has instructions on it. A lot of the bezel art usually in, in arcade games has instructions and tells you what to do. And I, I remember, and maybe it was just this particular cabinet that I, I played way back when, there were no instructions, and so I had no idea what was going on. Um, and because there's so much stuff all thrown on the screen at the same time is very difficult to figure out. And I remember having the same experience this time. Like I definitely played this in an arcade and in a sense had the same experience in that I didn't pick up on any of these extra elements that I picked up on this week. I had remembered it as doors open. If it's a bad guy, you hit the button and you shoot them and then I would do poorly at it. I played this when I was young, I guess it never hooked me really in the arcade. I doubt I played it more than a couple of times. But this week, because it was assigned to us, I kept coming back to it, and I really enjoyed the fact that I suddenly started noticing like all these little details, all these little extra things that are there in the game. I do agree it would have been nice to have maybe instructions, and and I think they're below the bezel, like looking at the, the graphics for the, for the cabinet. We'll talk about the cabinet eventually. There does seem to be at least some sort of instruction block on the normal cab, but I don't remember that either, and I don't remember knowing any of the things about this game back in the day that I noticed now the 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 little spelling out the word extra, the, the signs, in the back of the people, the shooting the hats, like all the little nuances of how to interact with the, the red shirted boss, bad guy, like all those things were totally new to me um, and made me really like this game. Cause I, I liked how every time I came back to it, I, I found a new element of the mechanic and the guy was like, Oh my gosh, there's, there's another thing in this game. Um, so I ended up finding it really, really fun because of that. Yeah, this is, I don't like this game for the same reason that I don't like pinball is everything that happens in, in a pinball game is on the play field at one time. And, and while you're, while you're trying to track where the ball is and, and hit it with the flippers that, you know, you've got a lot of different lights going off. And, and I get that with pinball, they're trying to tell you a story and, and for whatever reason, I, I'm not able to assemble the pieces of, of the lights that are flashing across the pinball play field into any kind of coherent story. And so I just kind of hit the ball for a while until it, I'm, I'm out and the game's over. And um, I, I get the same sort of feeling with this game where I just kind of, okay, I move the, I touch the stick, the doors move. I just pound the buttons for a little while and I die. I get, I think that's a valid complaint to be honest. Like I really like this game, 
But I do agree, like there's quite a few things going on and they are all on screen at once because you're dealing with the three doors and while you're looking at those, dealing with essentially a quick draw game, you're also supposed to be looking at these 12 little meters above the screen and also looking at the timer for when you shoot a fair or unfair thing and dealing with the teller and the teller's position down at the bottom of the game and dealing with the extra meter and keeping your eye on the overall timer for a level, like all those things and being aware of like which level, which doors have deposits and which don't. Um, For the most part, I would ignore all the extra details and just sort of deal with the three doors that were in front of me. And then at any time, once I shot or got deposits or whatever, like dealt with those three doors, I would sort of glance up and pick a door and say, hey, look, there's no deposit on nine. Let me go over towards nine and see if something happens there or look up and see, well, which door has a little red mark right above it that shows there's somebody right at that door. Maybe I can go find a bad guy. Um, And then as I got better at the game, I started being able to sort of focus on the various elements at once. But I completely agree. Like when you first approach this game, there's a lot going on. It's not like the way, uh, like, say, Defender has a lot going on in colors and can almost hypnotize you and 19 buttons in front of you and just like just crazy talk. But it is a game that is uh, like a lot of a lot of blinging and beeping and, and motion and, and well, at the same time, you're supposed to be doing three different quick draw movements at the same time. So I, th- I think it's a valid complaint that it can be um, a bit of a, I wouldn't say kludgy, but a, uh, a little bit overwhelming as, of an interface. It's just very distracting, um, you know, and, and I, I have a little bit of ADD, not, a, not like some of my friends do, but I have enough, I think, especially in games like this, where when, when I see something that catches my eye, I try to tend to concentrate or at least look and try and figure out what that is. And, and all these other things are going on, you know, or, or things happen very quickly on the screen and then they go away and, and more things start happening and it's become sort of a, an overloading experience after a while. I, as I'm looking at this, the screen capture, you've got the, the, the bank teller at the bottom and, and in front of him is kind of that, that little wrought iron gate, you know, in the style of the old banks that you see in the, in, yep. the, in the old movies, which is cool, but it sort of, it kind of blurs, it obscures what's happening on part of the screen. Um, not in anything that's, they're not shooting from down there, but it's enough to kind of draw the eye. Each one of the metal bars on the, on this wrought iron thing draw, throws a shadow across the counter. And so that's distracting. And um, I, I think that, this is a very well designed game. Yeah, I do wish that there had been a little bit more variation in the music. It's just Dixie playing over and over again, um, and that kind of, kind of got annoying. But uh, it was it very it was very smooth, and I I can see why this is popular. I'm not I'm not saying this is a poorly designed game. I'm saying that uh, I had trouble concentrating on it, and so it was frustrating. I loved it. I got right into it. I got right into all the little details. I was just, I loved all the little surprises. And I think there's probably still a lot about this game for me to still learn. Um, and I, I crazily got into it. Like I just really, really enjoyed playing that this week. I agree. The music is a little repetitive. <laughs> it sort of reminded me, and I don't know why uh, it reminded me of Tapper and maybe it's just because of the old West theme that I agree. Level, Even the cabinet kind of reminds has. me of Tapper. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think I, I don't have the information in front of me, but I don't think, Tapper was a Sega game, but I don't know where the similarity would have come from. No, I agree. I something a little bit of the colors. The 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 cabinet reminded me of Tapper too, except it doesn't have the the brass rail and doesn't have taps. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there is something about it, and I I think I agree. It's there's that touch of the 
the kind of the the, the westness to it. So yeah, totally. I see it because the cabinet was reminding me of Tapper a little more than the game. I really got into it though, and and um, I like the color scheme. To be honest, I mean, I agree that it's a lot of earth tones, it's a lot of browns, and there's a lot going on a screen at once. But I liked the fact that it, the, they used they used basically the color red to draw your eye to the stuff you really need to be looking at. So I started really just focusing on red, and that that that's helpful. And yeah, I really I really dug it. There, it's interesting that you can start this game at um, levels one, three, or six, so you can jump ahead if you want, uh, and you get a bonus. Uh, you get bonus points if you start at a higher level. So I think if you start at level three, you get twenty thousand point bonus, and if you start at level six, you get a sixty thousand point bonus. But the reality is, once you play the game a few times, it's much, it's it's pretty easy to score more than that per level. So um, you're far better off just starting at level one. Um, because it's pretty easy to get 20, 30, or even 40,000 points per level. So by the time you get to level three, you would have a score much higher than 20,000 points. So um, whether you're going for score or just want to enjoy the game longer, you're better off skipping that whole you know jump ahead thing. Why are there two timers on the screen? Well, there's one timer at the bottom, which is your overall time. And so that that's the time that you have to complete this level, to get 12 deposits, one at each door. You also will have a timer running if there's a bad guy who goes for his gun. And then um, you've got to shoot him faster than he shoots you. Because if the bad guy shoots, then you always get hit and you're blown away. And it, the camera sort of turns around and you, you see you against the wall with a whoa thing or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I like that element. So that's the other timer. There also can be a timer counting down if there's a bomb on, uh, uh, like, say, door 10 has a bomb. It'll show a bomb symbol and set a dollar sign up in the in the little grid at the top, and there'll be a timer counting down. I think from ninety nine to when that bomb blows up. And so, if you get shot, you lose the level. If you shoot anybody but a bad guy, if you shoot one of the customers, then you 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 lose a man. And um, if the bomb goes off, you lose a man. So those are the three ways to sort of lose. And um, if you get a deposit at, at all twelve doors. Then you proceed to the next level, or if you fill out that extra word, which is much more difficult to do, I find beyond basically level one, it's hard to get that done. At least for me, um, that's the other way you can jump to the next level, and you'll get a lot more points if you can do it that way. The big tip I well, I figured out a few tips. First, once I realized you could shoot the kid with the hat, and I, that only happened because I shot by accident once, not meaning to, because I kept avoiding. I said, "Well, this person's not trying to shoot me, so it should be somebody I don't shoot." I uh, shot by accident and I just blew away the hat and got points. I'm like, oh, I see. You can sh- That's why it's a stack of hats. And the, I think it's supposed to be a kid or a short guy or something. And that person is lower than your gun sight. So you can just shoot as much as you want and you'll never actually hit them. So it's safe to just shoot like crazy if you see the hat kid. And then because you'll just get points for each hat you can knock off and then they'll actually make a deposit. So that's kind of fun. Um, I also figured out. The kind of the tip to you want to stay on a level as long as possible because you can keep accumulating points. Um, so it seems to be what you try to do is get a deposit at eleven of the doors and just don't go look at the last door. Like so, if you get deposit at doors one through eleven, never show door twelve on the screen unless it's a bomb and just avoid it till the very end and then you go over there. You'll get a deposit and you end the level. So you can try to stay on a level as long as possible. That's the other sort of tip I learned. Which is why my score this week is pretty good. <laughs> this game features a Z80 for the CPU. Uh, I, don't, I don't care what megahertz is that. Um, three and a bit. <laughs> three and a, okay. 
And it features a, a Texas Instruments SN76489 that does all of the sound generation. Um, I don't think we've mentioned that chip before. No, I was going to say, I don't even know that chip. What the heck is that? Um, it does have its own wiki page. Um, there's, a, I guess, a lot of interesting technical information about that chip. So if you want to check that out, we'll have that in the show notes. Cool. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of neat. Carrington, tell me about the cabinet. The cabinet is awesome and reminds me of Tapper, as I said, <laughs> other than minus the brass rail and stuff. But it's got that that westerniness to it, and it's got decent art. And you know, I cabinets for me are all about the art. The shape of the cabinet is very you know generic mid eighties cab, no big deal. I think this came out like I said eighty four, eighty five or something. But it's got a really nice logo in the bezel, like it's a really nice marquee rather, and it's got nice sort of. Old West bezel and um, a, a pretty decent. It's funny, like you were saying, how the it's, it's got thirty-two colors on screen and they're on there all the time. The color use on the cabinet is much more muted. It uses greens and yellows and reds to sort of pop a bit, but at the same time has this almost like a fake wood paneling, but not in a nineteen seventies way. The stripes the side, and it's really nice. The side art only goes down to basically the level of the coin um, the coin mechanism in the front and has front art as well that only goes that far. But it's enough that it covers quite a bit of the cabinet, and I think it makes it really attractive. Like, it's a, it's a really pretty cabinet. Control panel is an ambidextrous control panel. You have three buttons, and you have the same three buttons on both sides, so you can go with either hand. And those three buttons are basically fire, fire, and fire. <laughs> because it, um, that's how you choose. You can see, as we talked about in the game, you, you are displaying three doors at any given time. So you have three buttons that correspond to left, center, and right. And they fire at those doors, uh, depending on which ones you have shown. And then you just have a two-way joystick that moves you left and right in your big circular bank to display the three doors. So I think it's a lovely looking cabinet, and I like the control panel, which is perfect for this sort of game. Nice and simple. The game itself, like we said, is pretty complicated. It has a lot more nuance than you'd think. But at least the control panel is very simple. Two-way joystick, three buttons that all do the exact same thing. So you can just rest your quick hand on the buttons, because it is all about firing as fast as you can at certain times. Um, and then nice, easy moving back and forth with the with the, the the joystick. So I think it's a nice looking cabinet, and it's a game that really appealed to me. So this this goes on the list of cabinets I would actually really like to own. I will drive by your house and laugh at you when you play, it. <laughs> and I will shoot through my doors. I I think this yeah you know I like I said I I think this is a well designed game and it, it's it's just this is just not one of the games that I can really get into because I can't keep track of everything that's going on on the screen and. Add to that the fact that it's a Twitch game. You know, you do, you basically have to decide what to shoot really quickly while all this other stuff is distracting you. And, and um, uh, so it's not one that uh, I will be playing again. Weirdly, I started doing better and better when I stopped playing it like a Twitch game. At first, I was all panicky. When there's a bad guy, I just shot as fast as possible. But you only get 100 points if you shoot one of the bad guys in an unfair thing. You Like, you blow them away. Because you, you can see the mask on his face, so you see the exclamation points above his head. You just shoot as fast as possible, you get 100 points. But you can get far more points, thousands, if you shoot them in fair draws. So I actually started doing much better when I stopped being in such a hurry and sort of kept, like, kept my cool. And you'd wait, and it would open up and say, okay, that's a robber. Okay, I'm getting ready to go. And especially in the early levels, you actually have lots of time to shoot the robbers. 
Um, I did find though, like because you when you do a fair draw, it's the average of all your fair shootings gives you this bonus point at the end of the end of the game. And so the the lower you can make the average, the faster you can do your fair quick draws, the better. So another tip to to really increase your scores, especially at the early levels, is to really time one of those like wait for a bad guy and as soon as he goes for his gun shoot him so you can basically you can get a time of zero in this game especially in the early levels and then from then on only shoot unfair because then your average will remain that zero and you'll get a big bonus at the end of the level so um so be a nice fair sheriff for the first guy and then just become a shooting at everybody meanie from then on and you actually get rewarded for it and then um the hat guy is another thing I can give a tip about because I learned all these little tips. I was really paying attention this week. I'm quite proud of myself. And so the hat guy is not random, at least in the first six levels. I, I would consistently get past the first six levels, which also convinced me to not start at level six because if you play a little bit, you can get past those first ones. And the hat guy always appears in the same place, at least on those levels. And for the most part, it's pretty easy to remember because it's on levels one three four and six he always appears right at the left door that you're facing when you start it's it's kind of a weird mechanic you start off when the game starts a level you're facing levels doors one two and three and then it immediately slides you to the right so you now you're facing four five six and then it begins it's kind of weird i don't know why it does that but it does. So if you just remember on levels one, three, four, and six, there's going to be a hat guy between, behind level four or behind door four, which is your left door. So just start firing <laughs> door four. And then um, round two is always the middle door, so which is door number five. And so that basically gets you through those first six levels. It's always the, the left door other than round two, which is the middle door. And then it seems after round six, everything is random. Um, but then that's a key to get, if you can get that, just that one little pattern memorized, it can give you a bunch of bonus points, um, which again, led to my nice high score this week. <laughs> Speaking of that. <laughs> well, uh, I did pretty well. I think I frequently could get a score above a hundred thousand and the best score I did for the week was 142,200. Um, and I think that's a pretty good game cause it takes like, you know, five, six minutes for me to get there. So I was having nice long games. I really felt I was getting my virtual quarter worth in this this machine. Um, so what about you, Mike? How'd you do this week in the one time that you played it? I got zero points. Oh, that's a shame that you just got shot. No, I played I played it for I played one session and I played it for about ninety minutes and so it was a bunch of games. I, I assumed that the way that the way that the, the game scores is that it adds your scores up at the at the end when you die or something, because it never it never moved from zero, and I, I figured that I, you know, you lose points for I guess shooting a good person or something, and I didn't get enough for um, uh, in, in deposits to make up for that. That's a bummer. That's weird. You should have got points as you went nope. if you're shooting the bad guys. Got a zero. Oh, I one weird thing about the high score list. Now that you bring that up is it's it's weirdly designed because normally you can walk up to a machine and you watch the attract screen which is helpful with all games to sort of get some tips on how the game plays and then it will you know show you some attract screen stuff for a while and then it'll show you the current high scores in the game this doesn't do that this game shows you the high score list when you get on it so at the end of your your score if you're going to be able to put your initials in then you get to look at the high score list and you put your initials in 
but I, I played enough to sort of fill up the, the high score list. And then if I played again and didn't get a score good enough to, to put a new set of initials in, it's simply that it's just, okay, your scores, that's it. You're done. Go away. You don't get to see the scores. It doesn't show them during the track screen. It's kind of weird that it doesn't, you know, use those to show off more. Cause usually that's something that's designed to attract people and say, Hey, here's a score try to beat it. So it's weird that this doesn't use that in the advertising at all during the, during the attract mode. Hmm. Yeah. Weird. The, um, the overall high score for this game is actually a tie. Um, two people, Alessandro, uh, I'm sorry. I butchered your game, your name there. Alessandro. In 1985 scored the world record for this game, which is 9,999,999 points. Um, uh, but then a fellow named Gary hat, got the same score in 1987, and those two scores have stood now for all these years as a tie for the world record. There's 99 levels in total, and that's the best score you can possibly get if you kind of play a perfect game for all 99 levels. That's the score you'll get, and both of those guys have that score. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm... I'm we, we didn't mention this because we don't talk about news, I guess, sometimes. Uh, Twin Galaxies is back online. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, it's back up, and they're... Um, high score that they're that they have listed for Bank Panic is also nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine points. But they have uh they have and th- they only have one person listed with that score, and his name is Roscoe Perschel. Oh, that's um, weird. And, and he did that in two thousand nine. Oh, September. So I wonder if that's like a main version or something, uh, or one of the home versions, because th- this was ported to a few things. It was, and, and since you mentioned that. Ah, segue. I, see, I nice. caught that segue. Nice. Um, <laughs> uh, it was ported to the SG-1000, the MSX, the Sega Master System, the Amstrad CPC, the Commodore 64, uh, and on the ZX Spectrum, it appeared as something called West Bank. Uh, it was on the Atari XL, XE, um, in Poland as Bang Bank, um, and... Oh, then that makes sense, because on the iPhone right now... This exists as a game, but it's not called Bank Panic. It's sort of like a knockoff, and it's called West Bang. And I get it now. So that's a name very similar to that, like, West Bank you were talking about. Interesting. Yep. There are also several versions that have appeared on on the Android platform. Uh, one of them has five stars, and the other others all have one star. Ah, so the five-star <laughs> version would be the one to get. <laughs> that's right. Okay, well, I'll, I'll try to make sure we link to that version. I didn't, I never played this in the home version. Now, I see it didn't come out for the Apple II, so probably neither of us <laughs> played the home version. It's always pretty easy to predict whether or not we played this at home. Um, but uh, I think it was a, like, it seems like the Sega Master System version was sort of the the big home port in North America, even though it came third. It looks like the, the SG-1000 came first in 1985, then the MSX in 1986, and that was the Sega Master System got a version in 1987. But that game, I guess, is very different from the original, and I can't get any details of everyone just says, oh, it's very different. But when I look at screenshots, it looks the same, so I don't know why it's very different. But it's a neat bit of trivia, though. It was actually released on two different media. Uh, it came as a standard Master System cart, and it also came on something called the Sega card. But not being a Sega Master System guy, I really don't know what the Sega card is. But probably the Sega people out there are all nodding their heads going, yeah, Sega MasterCard, it was awesome. But I don't really know what it was. <laughs> I do know that the instructions that came with the Sega Master System version were instructions 
as if it was exactly the same as the arcade version. So if you follow the instruction booklet, you'll play very poorly because none of the changes are noted in the instructions. So the instructions are for the arcade, but the game is in some way very different. The um, There's a wiki page for Bank Panic, and it, and it talks, I think these are the differences, and, and under the trivia section it says the... Uh, uh, in this version, the timer above the robbers goes up, and the robbers can't steal money bags. Uh, upon completing a round, you are awarded points for up to 48 money bags instead of 36 on the arcade. Uh, upon reaching round 15, the game becomes nearly impossible due to the extreme short amount of time it gives you to shoot a robber, especially if, if the robber opens the door. Uh, a robber behind a bank customer can be timed to uh, at least an unfair kill. Uh, there's also no end to the game. Completing round 50 just goes to 51, although it is nearly impossible to complete any rounds after 14. I could say that'd be um, the end of my game. <laughs> via a cheat, one can complete uh, any round except for round 253, which has a programming bug, which will cause the game to crash if the boy holding the hat appears. So, Well, there you go. Hat kid. Shoot the hat kid. So I'm sorry you didn't like this game. I really, I really dug it. I didn't like... That I, I didn't like that I had such a hard time playing it. Um, and again, this is just, for whatever reason, these these games that have a lot of stuff going on on the screen all at once and you have to keep track of it uh, are, are difficult for me. So, well, I super enjoyed it and I recommend it to our listeners. Yeah, definitely check it out. I mean, they, you know, if, if, you can, if you can deal with Dixie playing over and over and over again. <laughs> um, I put know, headphones on. <laughs> and the color scheme and stuff, it, it looks like, um, a well-designed game. Like, like I said, you know, it's got the, the Z80 chip, which in 1984 was pretty aged, but it keeps up just fine. I never felt like it was lagging or I never, I never felt like I was getting unfairly killed. Like, you know, because it was so slow, the, the robber was shooting me before the processor could, mm-hmm. could move my, you know, uh, could, could register my shot or anything like that. So I, I do think it's, you know, it's just, just me. It's all my fault. I suck. Oh, poor Mike. Uh, yeah, I really dug it, though. So I'm very happy that we played this this week. I'm very happy to have re- reviewed it because it was always a game I was aware of. Like, I knew Bank Panic, and I had played it a couple times when I was younger, but I never really got into it for whatever reason. And playing it this time, it finally just hit me. I'm like, this game is awesome. I like the mechanics. I like the depth of the game. I like the variety. Um, I can live without the music. I'll give you that one, but I actually <laughs> like the colors on it. And I love that there's so much more going on in the game mechanically, not necessarily this, that a lot's going on on screen, but the fact that the game has more nuance to it than I had anticipated ended up being a real, a real surprise pleasure this week. So I really enjoyed playing it. Big thumbs up for me. Yeah, I think I, I didn't, I did like the fact that it's a, a, um, a unique, well, I don't know if it's entirely unique. I'm sure that there are other shoot at the screen, you know, games, but it, it's, it, um, it felt fresh, you know, and I don't know if that's just because we've been playing a lot of fighting games lately, or, um, it's not kind of one of the, the many, many Pac-Man maze chase knockoffs. It's uh, not a fight game. Um, and so it, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I felt like I'd seen a dozen times over the 99 games that we played. So, right. yep. I, I think that, uh, most of the, our listeners out there will, will love it. And by the, just by the the people who guessed this game, uh, I think that that's probably the case. I'm sure that I'm I'm in the minority, and you can send your hate mail directly to me. Well, what about for next week? Will it be another game that is unique and has lots of variety? I think we should just play this one again and again. <laughs> no, I think we should do the Month of Fighters. <laughs> um, so what is next week's sound sample, Mr. McGinnis? Here it is, Carrington. 
And that will bring us to the end of another No Quarter Podcast. Best game ever. Not so much. (laughs) Okay, talk to you next week. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent by email to noquarter at monsterfeet.com or you can find us on Facebook as No Quarter Podcast and on Twitter we are at No Quarter Show. You can also find us on both the Throwback Network and the Real Retro Junkies Network. All of these links plus the show notes are available at monsterfeet.com and like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain.